Ay, let's go Brandon. I keep a drum like I'm Nick Cannon. Ay, ay, let's go Brandon. Pandemic ain't real, they just planted. Ay, ay, let's go Brandon. When you ask questions, they start banning. Ay, ay, let's go Brandon. Ay, ay, let's go Brandon. Ay, ay, let's go Brandon. I keep a drum like I'm Nick Cannon. Ay, ay, let's go Brandon. Pandemic ain't real, they just planted. Okay, I'll like inflating your ego. You ask questions, come on. Let's go, Brandon. That's right, it's already so big. There's Let's no go, way. Brandon. Inflation needs. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, they want me to go. They want me to go. Yeah, one of you guys. Alright, alright. Welcome, everyone, to episode 78 of the Light Shed Podcast. I'm Brandon. He's Rich. And he's Walt. Um. Obviously, I've been getting trolled like crazy um, with the popularity of Let's Go Brandon. Um, I think there's some, a lot of people that don't understand Let's Go Brandon, and I'll tell you why. I was at the Raiders-Eagles game in Las Vegas this past weekend, and social media <laughs> enables you to post your, your pictures, and they put it up on the gigantic board. And, and on more than one occasion, someone put up a picture holding up the sign, let's go Brandon on this at the the, the Raiders stadium. I, I want, I'm not going to go to the, the complete origin of it, but let's go Brandon has now become a meme because basically um, people were chanting, fuck Joe Biden. Yeah. At, I think it was a baseball game. And no, and, it wasn't and, a baseball game. It, it was uh, a NASCAR race, I believe. Was it? Yeah. Well, it doesn't I, matter where it was. I think. I think you're basically make, kind of makes more sense. No, I think so. I'm going to push back on that and say I think it was a college football. Oh, no, it was a NASCAR. Race. Well, who cares? The point is that the <laughs> idiot announcer was like as stereotypical. Oh, look, look as that like, is. I think there's, I think they're screaming, "Let's go, Brandon!" And then, and then let's, and then people just started chanting, yeah. let's, go, "Let's go, Brandon!" But it's funny that it's not broadly known, so it still kind of makes its way into mainstream. But on the flip side, I, it's I think people know it's a rallying call against biden well, why would camps. someone put i don't think i yes most people do but but i think it's still somewhat undercurrent that people don't fully get and my, my my second question is is this song actually banned in location because like yes. how dumb is no, that no no okay song? so let's get it let's get into that's actually what i want to talk about right okay because i think that the three of us like politically broadly agreed that trump you know was not, not our favorite choice um for president reveal anything about my political okay. beliefs All one right. way or another you can speak for yourself okay Brandon. um that being said i think the a lot of the cancellation um on this song the kind of like cancel culture attached to it thanks for clarifying that that was helpful um <laughs> yeah is it has, is is a bit over the top oh, okay. i understand there is that one line um about covid at the very beginning of this of so of that's that's what it's it's getting it's getting canceled because of like covid denial is that the issue <laughs> I, I that's that's the excuse that's obviously the excuse for canceling it i think that you know it's the anti-biden sentiment that is so it's really, not okay it, to have an anti-presidential sentiment because well, that, well, that didn't occur the over the past four years exactly. by anybody? That was like the whole, the entire Trump administration. Right. And there's, how do I put this, um, a double standard probably at work. There you have it. And, you know, as much as at least my mm -hmm. own alliances <laughs> may be what they are, um, I... I don't love the double standard. I think, I think it's hilarious when people chant. Let's go <laughs> well, it's fucking annoying for me because you know how many text messages I've gotten with like links, Spotify links. And uh, how do you feel about let's go Brandon? Oh I'm like, I don't know. Cause my name is Brandon. A lot of people's name are, is Brandon. Like <laughs> what if it was let's go rich or Walt or Joe? There's a lot. of. I jokes. would take a bow. <laughs> Uh, so good do you guys like um, my background by the way i was actually admiring your sweatshirt or your hoodie which i think came from where your rehearsal dinner was no I'm it's sure. not where my rehearsal dinner was it Wasn't was in high west yeah no um all the whiskey at the wedding 
was for was oh, High, was West, High West. That was the distillery. The wedding, Served one yes, shot yes. at a time. <laughs> <laughs> because we were in Utah. 20 bucks a pop. Or whatever it was. Um, the cost. It was just the fact that they, Walt, they would only dole it out one shot I at a time so based stupid. on Utah laws. Walt, Walt and I did go to the High West distillery um, that week for a little bit of a tour, which was fun. It was. I thought it was fun. I had a good time. Yes, it was. We'll leave Unf- it at that. Mo- can we move on? Yeah. Can we move- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get into it. Are there going to be distilleries in the metaverse? I guess is the question because yeah. Facebook's got a new name. Nice one, Rich. You made um, a good segue. I, we had a, we had a talk about segues before <laughs> this, and he fucking nailed it. Good job. You know, look. I just I find it very hard to believe that we are going to work out, live, communicate, do our jobs. Everything is going to happen in this virtual world. You know, is it, quote unquote, cool that I could turn off the lights with a looking at it and then clicking a button? I guess I think I, it, rem- it reminds me of the clapper. It used to be able to clap and your lights would go on and on. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's a lot cooler to to think rather than actually have to make a physical movement right i will say this let's let's like kind of take a step back here because you're talking about the control labs acquisition and some of the um some of the outcomes of that that were discussed yesterday um uh, on the key on zuck's keynote and you're talking about the metaverse and you're kind of mixing and matching things right On the metaverse piece, do we think people are going to interact in 3D space? Do we think there is a use case for being in 3D space? The answer is, in my view, yes, at times. I think it will be an arrow in the quiver, okay? Uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm cutting you off. Roblox is interacting in 3D space. It just happens that it's a 2D experience, right? Like I yes. look at it on my screen, yes. it's a 3D. That, and guess what, Rich? That is going to be one of the use cases for 3D space. Will VR be a part of it? And we we definitely have attacked Mark for being way too all in on VR, but VR is going to have a place. There is no oh. doubt in my mind, right? Whether it's in games, as the chicken and the egg problem gets solved and headsets become you're more missing lightweight, the point, but you're missing the point. We can you're have meetings. We can, there's sure. reasons to have presence, right? We're doing, we're doing a virtual meeting on zoom right now. Yes. My question is, but, but here's the but question, there's Brandon. No, but there's no presence in my view. Okay. And this is mine and we can debate this. There will be a use case or many use cases for being in full 3D space together. Sure. Okay. So I don't disagree. Okay. But number one, we talked a lot about in a piece we wrote this week about the importance of being an operating system. Okay. The question is, if that is only a small portion of what the metaverse looks like or of this future world looks like, that means that Apple and Google will continue to remain the operating systems for most of what people do. Um, and where they spend their time. Do you think that the majority of time spent will be in this new world? I don't, but I think that there's going to, I think there will be meaningful share in that, in that world. I think that the AR is going to have a place. I think that um, the control labs use cases are clearly down the line and Elon talks about this obviously all the time sure. are going to are going to have place and I I will say this we've been hard on Mark and core Facebook might be fucked and we can talk about that which is the destruction of a lot of value but Mark has leaned into the future very actively he said okay what technologies are going to be core to the next um leg of human experience and vr is one of them ar is another one um the the use of mind in um based on like 
control labs is another, and what principles are going to underlie the next um, phase of of media interaction, consumption, time distribution, spent. time spent, and the the Web three principles are going to be a big piece of that, and, and privacy, and he's leaned into all of that. It's ambitious. I don't know if it's going to work, but he took a very, very hard pivot and he is going for it. And okay, you so, have to you have to admire that. Sorry, Walt. That's no, okay. That was a very long diatribe. I but I, it was very helpful though. First of all, leaned in. I mean, come on, that's a Sheryl um, Sandberg thing. That was you use it way I'm, too much. I'm secondly. Embarrassed that I used the word yes, lead, the phrase much. leaned in. Sorry. Secondly, just that's just so to- Silicon Valley of me. Just to go back to what Rich was trying to interrupt with you on talking about Apple and, and the operating system. I mean, look, the reality is if someone develops a metaverse in an operating system that's different, frankly, it could be one of those things that creates a disruption for someone that, that is a juggernaut power. So when you, you're just assuming that Apple is going to make this transition well and they will be the dominant force. But like, you know, if it's something very different, then if, if anything, it becomes something disruptive. No. So, so I, one, I agree, but I think the part of the, I want to go back to something that you've talked a lot about in terms of privacy. I think the most interesting thing they showed off Which of one everything of I saw Walt yesterday, Walt, actually, because I want to yeah. go back to the most interesting thing I saw yesterday was not just an avatar, but an actual human being that looked perfectly like it was like looking at Walter, but in a virtual space. And he functioned like Walter. He looked and sounded like Walter, but it was just a virtual object called Walter. And Mark brought up, well, it actually has lots of privacy implications, right? Because who controls that? How do you make sure that you are who you are? Because you can't tell the difference in a virtual space that Brandon's talking about. And I was talking to an investor and I just kept thinking back to Walt's comment. No, no, no. But just hear me out. Do you want Facebook controlling this object? Do you want their operating system relative to other companies? Look, I think that... This whole thing is going like the metaverse and Mark keeps saying this, right, is going to be open, open, open. They are going to be a piece of it and there is going to be large chunks of it. And I don't know what Facebook's ultimate plan is that are decentralized that sit that sit on the blockchain. I I will just say it's interesting you say that because Facebook is a closed platform. Um, so just keep that in mind. It's just worth thinking about. Two, no, no, um, no. I just Let's say Facebook, Blue, Instagram, WhatsApp, closed platforms. We sure. do not know, right, what this ultimately looks like and how this is built because it's in the formative stages right now and being built from the ground up. I will say two other things very quickly. One, um, Walt brought up Lean In and Cheryl. The most shocking thing that no one's yeah. writing about is Cheryl wasn't there yesterday. She was in none of the videos. Marnie, her number two, that she, you know has sort of come up um, and is close to her, was on, but there was no Cheryl, which was just an interesting, uh, you know, obvious omission from yesterday's entire presentation. It was like five seconds, I think, but like no like real sit down or discussion. Like she was flashed to for a second, but it was weird that she didn't have like a formal role in it. And then two, like the whole thing also just timing wise. It did feel like a really good way of like trying to change the conversation. Dude, yeah. I I agree with that, but the ability to hard pivot like this, and it's not like not that that hard of a pivot because you know Oculus and I mean they were doing like coming up with cryptocurrency what two three years ago. They've been thinking about all of these sort of building blocks to metaverse for a while um but the ability to just like fucking pivot and go deep into it all at once whether it works or not you have to admire and a lot of this like web well, they free when you shit say pivot and go deep at, into it they bought a name and they had some ar stuff already so like what did well, they, they really spent, do they they lost 11 billion dollars this year on it like that's how much they've they've spent right that's that's a pretty and are willing to take significantly um more losses going forward i'm not yeah, saying it's, it's not, gonna work it's not ending at rich, 11 rich i'm not saying it's gonna work but like 
you know, there's not a lot of CEOs that would hard pivot like this. And it has to be admired. And all this Web3 shit that we've looked at, the DAOs and and everything, like a big problem I have with them is actually the democratization. <laughs> like it's almost like bordering on like socialism, you know, that's that's involved in them. And you don't have that ultimate leadership. And it's these great founders and leaders that change history, in my view. So I had to get that off my chest. Talking yeah, about founders. Sure most people consider him a great leader. I was I wasn't going to go there. Okay, he's, maybe he's maybe he's certainly maybe he's not. Like I don't think it takes changed. some great leadership thing to say you're going to burn money. Like Google burns money on shit all the time. Apple's got five different groups Fair. developing electric cars. It's not like he's the only guy that just fucking burns Fair. cash on new technologies and new products and he's not a good leader. I mean, look no, at where he, the company is now. Um in some regards, he is. In some regards, he's not. Yes. How's, how, how does he rank on the judgment scale? <laughs> the human okay. judgment scale? Yeah. <laughs> Zero. Okay. Can we move to the next slide? I, uh, I'll take the honor uh, on Zuck. I can talk about Jason a little bit if you want right now. <laughs> but yeah, not that scale. All right, let's go on to Spotify. Speaking of founders, brilliant founders, um, certainly Daniel Ek fits into this category. Yes. Daniel Ek wants to be categorized with Mark Zuckerberg. Well, they're, they're, actually, like I think they're very, very good friends. They're very good they're friends. Very, very and, good friends. Um, okay. But uh, Carrie Flynn's got a tweet here. Spotify CEO Daniel Ek says advertising should get to contributing at least 20% of total revenue from Spotify next uh, uh, and could expand to as much as 30 to 40% versus like 12 or 13% today. What's interesting is that we've really been big believers that's, you know, that audio advertising was an explosive category. Apple's not focused on it. Amazon's not focused on it. Google for, you know, their pod, none of these other podcasting companies is focused on it. Spotify is leaning into it. Sorry to use leaning in. Um, and on top of that, I, know I, could, I couldn't, I, as soon as I said it, I knew I fucked it up. Um, and, you know, on top of the fact that, um, that the podcast advertising, I think they're just getting more and more bullish around advertising for the core music business. But I want to stick on podcasting because the other tweet here is this is from Spotify, but they talked about it um, this week that they've become the number one platform for listening to podcasts. Now, most of you probably, we've, I think we've talked about before, Apple is the dominant in download. So when like, we oh, see by all the way, this download to, data. Let's let's be clear. They don't actually know, but exactly. their survey work they believe. says. They believe. Go on. They, they believe um, that they are the number one place where people are listening to podcasts now in the U.S. Now, if you look at download data, it will show sort of Apple is like 60% plus. Now, we don't know what percentage of downloads are listened to in talking to people. It's, you know, it could range from 10% to 75%. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we don't ranges. know. We have a podcast. We know how much our podcast is download in downloaded an extremely impressive amount. What we should but do we is say anyone that contacts listening. us get, gets a $5 Venmo sent to them and then we'll find <laughs> out how much. You get a $5 just Amazon see. gift certificate or how about in, an oculus um app store certificate the good news is we soon will have some proprietary data of ourselves because when we launch the light shed podcast on spotify we will get streams and yes. listens versus yep. downloads but the the main discrepancy that is just worth talking about for 30 seconds more is that when all of these third-party studies like PodTrack and others are doing their share of podcasting they're putting Apple downloads against Spotify streams or listens. They don't actually get download data from Spotify. And so it's completely apples and oranges. Does and Spotify so even give the, they don't, the first nobody they don't give the first party stream data for their stuff? Oh no, no, no right. Do they they I, don't contribute at all. It's all third right. party. So they're not right. they're not right. They're not contributing. So the these there are third parties that are on the Spotify platform who you know, like the New York Times, the Dale, sure. whatever it is, they Barstool. are, yeah, Barstool, they're giving over the data that they get from Spotify on streams to these services, but no one knows what Spotify's actual numbers are. So 
these are completely flawed. And the only way to, to do it, the only third party solution, and we make fun of this on Nielsen all the time, is actually to use Edison. A survey, you know, third party surveys, but yeah. you know, the survey work is obviously flawed, you know, factually but flawed better, you know, process, but, but better than completely excluding. So the, the bottom line is Spotify's share in podcasts is significantly higher than what's reported. And That's Apple's it. is lower when you look at listens. Is Apple still bigger? They could be. They actually could be. We don't honestly know. But the reality is it's probably a lot closer than a lot of the third-party data shows. That was sort of the most interesting takeaway. And it obviously flows into this bigger and bigger advertising story that we've been getting exciting about. And it's just interesting to me that Amazon and, and Google are huge advertising companies and are not focused on audio advertising, just sort of creating this white space for Spotify. So we'll see. It's, it's also good surveys. to see a well, part it, of, it, of the- Walter, um, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. It's not just surveys. It's phone-based surveys, like where they call you up. Like, does any millennial or Gen Z, now those are probably more in Spotify's camp to begin with. So like, that's the part of me that thinks that like, if, if, if the phone-based survey is showing it, it's probably even more true if you looked at like I mean, real given, census given the data. applications but, that, that knock down- mass calling and the number of times someone's trying to renew my my car insurance or whatever the hell that thing is i thought you were going to say my serious xm that's a different thing it is but it's the same thing because you just don't answer your phone right so i don't know i like what is the quality of any survey that's my question it's it's not high but at least it's you know has puts everyone on the same playing field. It's apples the to apples, that, not apples the and surveys that, orangutans. That, that give you the voting polls after elections, because those seem to have been pretty inaccurate for pretty much every fucking election of the past X number of years. To, to be fair, we tore, we tore multiple assholes into um, Edison repeatedly for their work showing that Pandora was the so most listened to audio platform. let's not cite surveys platform. on this call. I hate surveys. I hate surveys. Okay. So is the bottom line. There's no reliable way to figure out what podcast share looks like period. End of story. Right now there is not. Okay. I would say, I I would argue though, that, you know, download correlation is probably not like, why, why would someone Spotify's downloads aren't in there at all, Walt. That's why. No. Okay. It's fine. So you can't use them. That's unfortunate, but I'm saying like, you know, if we had all the downloads, then if, you know, and we know what our downloads are, let's say we publish our thing and we get a list of all our downloads. Is the, is the usage on those downloads really going to be that different? Is an Apple user less likely to listen to something than a Spotify user? I just find that hard to believe. That doesn't yeah, pass the, the sniff the, test. Sorry. The, no, the, the point is, Walt, none of the Spotify data is in there except third-party streams. Yep. Gotcha. That's why. Okay, let's move on. FCC, Walt. Finally. Finally. Um, yes, finally. And I'm thinking, Rich, to call my own audible. Um, and you can Ooh. kill that later slide and just wrap this all into one. And, and for our podcast listeners, basically what, what Rich is talking about is, is President Biden, who we led the show off with, um, finally named an FCC, um, both chairman and uh, Jessica Rosenworthel, Ro- Ro- oh my God, Rosenworthel as the permanent chair, and Gigi Sohn, um, in the open spot of the commission. Gigi is, you know, perceived as a progressive, but reality is um, she's been doing this a while. She's very educated. I think the true progressives probably don't consider her one of their camp. Um, although the people on the right would say that she will be the most left um, commissioner ever. I mean, the key question here is, you know, assuming these two can get confirmed, what does this mean? Obviously it would have been better for industry to have the government you know, somewhat in stagnation in some respects because net neutrality is a top agenda item. So if you're a cable investor, maybe not having any risk of, of price regulation because of a 2-2 or a 2-1 is pot. From the flip side, you know, with Rosenworcel and Sone in there, do we think, yes, net neutrality is going to happen? Yes, Title II is going to happen. But under these two, who I think we're generally familiar with, our view would be, I don't think you're going to see... Um, price regulation it was abated when wheeler did it um but i don't think and to be clear gg worked 
with Wheeler. So like with Wheeler, but she was she was the progressive within you know, Wheeler brought different factions in. Sure. She's not the chairman, she's a commissioner. She's she's very effective at what she does, but she's not the chairman and doesn't won't run the agenda. I just think that my view on this is just everything that we know we do in DC is like I don't I think there should be some sigh, sigh of relief from the broadband providers that price um, is not going to be part price of regulations. price regulation. Thank you, Brandon. Is not going to be a part of that. Now we'll see on M and A activity how that kind of goes. Um, you know, I think they'll probably stick to the Biden and the more progressive side of things. Um, but on that one item, I think it's it's probably marginally a positive um, that it went this way versus some of the some of the speculation. They they would have a, a outside progress progressive stuck in there in the in the mold of uh, Lena Khan as the chair chairwoman chairperson chairman whatever it's called um, you know that that would have been very problematic for cable so I think it's it's probably not bad and you, you know think there's what? any read oh, go ahead sir I no I was just gonna say and broadband cable needs that good news given the broadband numbers that we've seen especially today with charter wonderful segue absolutely and you know charter talked about going back to 2018 numbers we tried to do the math on that but it's well below consensus um comcast had similar kind of reversion of the broadband numbers these guys keep talking about record churn so there's like a share of gross ad they talk about push out in terms of covid but at the yep. same time not it's not competition. No. It is definitely not competition. No, we know it's well, not. If it competition. is competition, it's a it's at the low end. To put a right. fine point on the numbers, the broadband net ad guidance for both Charter and Comcast for Q4 are 24% lower than the net ads in 2018. It's pretty crazy. So my question is going to be T-Mobile is coming up with a report and Verizon's already reported. If you take that aggregate amount that second derivative growth, that 24% decline. Yep. Did T-Mobile and Verizon fill that with their wireless broadband customers? What do you think? Well, we will see, but I will certainly be following my Twitter feed after T-Mobile. <laughs> you, you sure should know that I will be hammering on that narrative. Now, what Cable will say is, which Charter said today on their call, prompted by an analyst, oh, these are the low-end subs. And like, all I have to say to that is, first of all, none of us know unless you saw like some notable move in ARPU, which you can't because the numbers just aren't big enough. This is the same narrative that Verizon and AT&T used to attack T-Mobile back when Ledger first started ramping up sub. Oh, these are the shittiest customers. T-Mobile is just taking the shittiest customers. First of all, not even sure that that was true. But where are we today? <laughs> like, and what and what is T-Mobile doing today in terms of the customers? Not the shittiest customers, not the shittiest customers. So, like, you know, so you're talking about burying your head in the sand. I think always coming up with some narrative, like a year ago, oh, five G is not going to impact us. Oh, fiber is not going to be impacted. And like, okay, then when you can't hide from it because you have to have to report the sub numbers, then it's like, oh, but these aren't even the good customers. These are the shitty customers. So, like, okay. Yeah, but well, the uh, market but, seems to <laughs> disagree with uh, with that narrative. By the way, you've the, now seen Comcast, you know, what, 62 or whatever it is, the 50 charters oh, down. Full, full year gains are gone. Right, yep. right, and by the way, I missed one narrative in between. The narrative in between was like, oh, the wireless guys are just taking the growth in the market. They're not even taking customers. It was the growth in the market. And then when we talked to Verizon and T-Mobile and whatever, they're like, Fuck that. That's not growth in the market. We took a broadband customer. So like, so but now it's just, like, oh yeah, that's fine. They took us, but they're the shitty customers. Let's just stick on um, charter FCC. down six percent as we speak. Yeah, yeah. By the way. I just want I just I just want to stick on FCC for a second because the other thing that came out of the Comcast and, and charter results is that you know clearly video subs are getting worse again. Um, they don't care about the video business anymore. And I was just thinking, new FCC, you know, Dish, Directv. You know, just I wonder if there's, you know, I, I guess there's no obvious answer to that question. I mean, neither of them. We, 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 there's no obvious like this is bad for that transaction, I would assume. Well, to, for which transaction? If DirecTV and Dish is going to happen over the course of the next 18 months. Well, why would there this be? This FCC anything, it just, doesn't seem. 
this FCC well, I seems I mean, fine for that. I mean, not there's nothing particularly negative. I guess a more progressive I mean, person might have been see harder. People eviscerate Gigi Sohn. We've known her for a long, long time, long, long yep. time, and like she's a she takes a thoughtful approach to any of these issues, and it's clear what's happening in the pay TV market. It makes yes. no sense that if DTV and Dish on the pay TV side of things want to merge that together because of the way content costs, that is like. It's just not logical that that should be an issue. Right. With it's the a FCC. dying business and it's an obvious dying business. If we had some of- like rando progressive in there that we weren't familiar with again, in the kind of, you know, in the image of, you know, Tim Wu or, or Lena, like who knows like how the fuck that they would view the market that regard. But like, these are, these I think are logical people that want to do, maybe we differ in some of our opinions on certain things, but that's not protecting the consumer to not allow Dish and DirecTV to, to merge their pay TV businesses. And I think those companies will realize that. Um, can we just stick on, since we're on T-Mobile and Telecom, you want to just do auctions quickly? Very quickly, just for the FCC stuff, mem- $15 billion was the kind of the, the point where this thing was going to fail. It's a, currently at $21 billion. It's not going to get to the $30 billion estimate that we have, but certainly the herd was like, freaking out after five rounds and now we're like six million over and then second big thing you know we've talked about this um t-mobile's fight with dish and really just t-mobile's overall nasty approach to their counterparties so they're backing off in like this very passive aggressive press release saying like oh it's you know we're not going to shut off our cdma network for three months this is stuff stuff dish has been fighting for originally people thought dish was going to cave on this and, and this was the, the uh, agreed upon date no this was basically t-mobile i think trying to appease the fcc and the doj and you know dish is going to keep pushing and i think whatever we'll see how that goes with the with the new fcc but i'm guessing that three months delay is not going to be enough and t-mobile is going to have to push that back even further in terms of uh, when they're going to shut off the cdma network why quite simply it's just bad. It's not good. It's not in the best public interest, no matter who you want to blame it on. It hurts consumers. It just hurts consumers. There's no other way of looking at this. I mean, AT&T is the same issue because, you know, if you have an alarm system yeah. and it, it uses the old 2G network on AT&T, AT&T wants to shut that network off and people won't have. So can you imagine someone having a fire in their house and the customer didn't know that the 2G network was shut off and the fire system goes to call and like it oh doesn't work? God. I had to get a generator, a new wireless thing for a generator at the house because the the old network was being shut down and I had to upgrade to something, some new stick for it, a wireless stick for it. Yeah. I assume and it's look, the exact and, issue. And the motivation here is is nothing more than, in my opinion, T-Mobile trying to stick it to DISH. And like yep. the FCC and the DOJ, they're not stupid. <laughs> and by the way, you made your case worse by putting that little passive aggressive dig at DISH in your press release, you think that the, the FCC and DOJ ain't going to look at that and be like, oh, clearly more corporate battle. Like, who's running PR at this firm? Like, I don't even understand. Okay, next. Oh, and that I, I, have, I have three your words. Section. Okay, yes. Go. Oh, yeah. Let's go, Walt. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Uh, so you can buy an Amazon TV. We've been talking about this for a while, but they actually started shipping this week. So now Prime Video or Prime shipping two days you get your amazon branded television this is made by amazon this is not third party this is an amazon native operating system television um the most interesting thing we're looking for is what is this price point drop to for the holidays um or black friday specifically if you're you're looking at the screen this um 43 incher that's on here 4k smart tv is 409.99 yeah, I'm, I'm, oh. it'll be interesting how aggressive they get. But forgetting about this, because the bigger story is the one that just Months broke away earlier today. Right. Well, that's why I said it. Like because of the, four weeks from today. But the the bigger point is Amazon and Roku. We've been talking about Roku and Google doing battle and potentially losing the YouTube app on December 9th, uh, the main YouTube app. Now there's a battle between Amazon and Roku. Their deal is up for IMDb TV and it's being tied to Prime Video. That deal expires sometime in early 22. And so you can kind of just see, you know, we talk about this TV OS war. Roku is by far the leader. You've got upstarts like Amazon, Google TV, all trying to have a bigger role in this. And sort of the, the, the battle's getting hotter and hotter. 
And I think it's because my guess is Roku probably wants a cut of ad revenue on IMDb TV. I'm sure Amazon doesn't want to give that. It sounds like Amazon's asking for bigger or broader viewership data. This is just getting uglier and uglier. And I think it's because everyone knows how much power Roku has because they're an operating system, which sort of goes back to the whole Mark Zuckerberg conversation at the beginning of this. Everyone wants to be an operating system. The TV is a big usage device in the home. Who controls it? Google and Amazon, after ceding this to Roku, are clearly trying to take back market share. It's going to be very interesting over the course of the next few months. Two big deals that need to get done. How much are those then Comcast the TVs real streaming cost? wars? Uh, the Comcast TVs are actually already being sold. You can buy them at Walmart. The best uh, TV ever. That, that wasn't the question. Uh, Riches on Walmart.com as just, we just speak. A, just a ballpark uh, number is fine. I, I, I you know, I don't honestly. Let, I want to give the play-by-play of Rich. His actions right now. He hit the Google button. Um, well, he typed it to... in. He landed. And are those uh, OLED TVs or just um, these are not just OLED HA? TVs. the Comcast ones? No. Yeah, I don't see the extra. Apple comes out if Apple comes out with a TV that they would do anything less than OLED. No, absolutely exactly. not. They're a premium brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see it on the Walmart website at least yet. Doesn't mean it's now. I just back don't to that see next it. week and let's debate. Yeah, let's see if we can get that. Going okay. into the holiday season, we should have our, our a special Black Friday um, podcast. Okay, let's go, Richard. Next slide. So, in the sort of the crazy category, Netflix <laughs> is eyeing a New Jersey Army base for major production hub. You know, normally I wouldn't ever focus on this, but the the, the acreage is what caught my attention. It's a 300 acre chunk of, of real estate in New Jersey. I just Googled for the shits and giggles of it. I, I Googled what is the size of the Warner shits Brothers being live? the operative word. Yeah. I, so I just, I, I go- go ahead. Google. Go I, I, just, I Googled. I Googled Warner Brothers. It's a 75 acre lot in Hollywood. And so just the concept of 300 acres for production. I know it's New Jersey. I know nobody probably wants to create shows in New Jersey. I get it. But like the size of the real estate just caught my attention. Yeah, there's going to be a Soprano sequel. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is like when, when um, Tony Schiano tried to build up the Rutgers program. In the end of the day, no one wants to play at Rutgers. They don't want, oh, they don't but, want to but that, but that doesn't he work. A, he had a good... Actually, though, he had he had what a couple of good years. He and did. He got a little Greg Shiana. He got sorry. a little ahead of himself. Right, went yeah, to Tampa, fail. Went to some, Miami, fail. Recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's not true in film because film and TV have really moved all over the world. So Vancouver is a huge yeah, hub but now. Talent. Atlanta, would you be in Atlanta, your city, or in New Jersey. Well, would you rather be in Atlanta? Would you rather sure. be Atlanta's warm and it's nice. And it's cheap, and the taxes are low. Like, I mean, well, that's why it all you're, happens. You're you're doing a job, you're not living incentives. there forever. But okay, I mean, I rather Mem- remember my- when the IR person from Man U was telling me, Man U for our listeners is about thirty five minutes away from Liverpool, and she was saying like, oh, a, a player would much rather live in Manchester than Liverpool. And I'm like, well, first of all, if you're uh, you'd much rather be in London, this Carina versus, or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. versus Manchester. And and then from that point on, it was Man U, right? Not Man City. Yeah, Man, Man U. Man and Man U's yeah. been a disaster ever since, by the way. But, and, and just to point out, Liverpool dismantled them last Liverpool. week. Let's talk a little Roblox, Brandon. Okay. This is a tweet from Chipotle. New Chipotle opening Thursday on Roblox. Not a very descriptive tweet of... <laughs> Of what is happening on Roblox? Um, does that mean nor, I? Does that mean I'm buying a virtual of the outcome? Okay, so, so am I buying a virtual burrito in? And <laughs> let, in let me explain the brand okay. activation, and then we'll talk about its significance. Um, first of all, you had to show up to the virtual Chipotle on Roblox in a. Rito Halloween costume. Oh my God. And your reward for, for that, I'm sorry, I get it was a $5 IRL gift certificate um, to Chipotle to use towards buying 
a real life burrito. And for our boomer yes, podcast listeners, IRL is in real life. In real life. So you could get a um, real burrito. But that's the imp- there's a couple of important things here. Number one, we're, we keep talking about the importance of brands um, coming onto Roblox and reaching a demo that is tough to reach anywhere else. Number two, the engagement with the brand um, that you get from having an activation like putting on a virtual costume. Um, and number three, linking um, to what's happening in the real world. And, and I think, well, let me just stop you because I think one of the things that's really interesting is like we've seen a lot of Hollywood studios try to do things, right? Like Warner Brothers creates the In the Heights experience. And it's sort of like it was cool. It was really well done. But like, why were you going there? Like what made it awesome? What you just said, what's interesting about this is that there was real world benefits, oh, IRL yeah, benefits. Were, right, right, real world incentives. I mean, I guess one's a promotion and one is kind of a just full on digital activation. There's sure. a couple of different ways to skin, to skin the cat. Um, I don't know. I'll ask Josh, our good friend who came up with the activation. I wonder whether can you take I don't know if you know the answer, but can you take the costume or the outfit you were wearing from that Roblox game and use it across all of Roblox? I assume you can. No, I, I think a- I think you dressed up um, <laughs> before you went into the experience. I don't think they were providing um, the costumes. And I know why you're asking that, because a lot of these activations also monetize. And the way they do that is by selling virtual items to wear. So some of these concerts um, that have happened in Roblox have T-shirts attached to them that could then be worn on your avatar in other experiences. It's cool. I mean, it's definitely an interesting way of brands, you know, vans. Like we've seen lots brands want to be on Roblox, but they've got to figure out a way to make it like cool and interesting. And what what I also think is interesting about this is it, it has a reason why it could live on. Like they could do other forms of promotions down the road. Now that you've got the Roblox experience, like something store, that you, right? Right. Now they've got a virtual storefront. But I also think like the next step of this is, are there ways for Chipotle to sort of unbundle themselves? Like, could you actually create and use you know, could there be Chipotle stands in other games? Could there be, you know, burritos in other games? Like how do, how do they unbundle the content? That's something I've been thinking more and more yeah, about. Of like, that, re- like, like make it, make give it people more the distributed, tools. Right. Yes. And make it give, I don't know, those who create these UGC experiences, the ability to integrate marketing partnerships yes. into those. Yes. Right. And rather than it just being the company themselves, like I think that's by the, the way, next level hope, of this. Hope, right. Hopefully do that in a way that's really authentic because they're fans of the brand. And we've seen what the results of that behavior is on other social media platforms like Instagram, YouTube unboxings, yeah. all these other things, um, which is real, real earned advertising and promotion. As, as opposed to paid. Last question. Did you get a burrito? I didn't not get a burrito. But <laughs> I would like to see the integration of a fish concert in which there's you turn your avatar or whatever that it is, and with Robux, you go up and buy a virtual burrito at the Chipotle. <laughs> I have <laughs> to say donut. this. You know what? It, uh, Walt, very good. See, I catch on. It would be a veggie burrito though of course right <laughs> it could be a grilled cheese or of course or a donut a, a fish donut very good <laughs> which they do not sell at chipotle chipotle okay. <laughs> uh, right, let's move next? on let's move on and talk a little peacock okay um nbc this is hollywood reporter so uh what was interesting is that um this is talking about the fact that Peacock added a few million subscribers and a few million monthly active accounts, but that's actually not what's interesting. What's interesting is every quarter since they've launched, they've gone on and kind of pounded their chest and talked about registrations and how many people had given their email to sign up for Peacock. They never talked about really subscribers. They never really talked about usage, but they've just been pounding their chest about how many people are registering for this thing. And they always do it in the very beginning, Brian Roberts prepared remarks. This week on earnings, 
no mention of Peacock at all in terms of subscribers, registrations, nothing during any of the prepared remarks. In fact, an investor, sorry, an analyst actually had to ask a question during Q&A saying, could you give us some update on Peacock? It was just bizarre. And, you know, then they throw in, yeah, it's still everything's going amazing. It's well beyond our expectations. And it was just sort of weird that they're, you know, I mean, I guess it's not weird. Usage, I think, is not very high. And while there's most of the people are subscribing are basically getting it for free as part of their Comcast and Cox subscription. It just, you know, they talk about a lot of content is coming next year. We'll see. I just think they've got a fundamental problem right now, which is nobody's using Peacock. It's basically just being used as an on-demand usage on the Comcast set-top boxes. So, like, instead of doing, you know, TV on demand, now it's about, Peacock on demand. What about WWE? Yeah, I think but WWE. It's small. it's small. Like, it peaks for WrestleMania at a couple of million. So, what's well, the next big catalyst then for Peacock? in terms of either a new show launching an acquisition of library like they may or may not be able to make like what what happens next you know it's funny they were talking about this show la brea which is a breakout not i shouldn't say breakout which is probably their biggest new show on nbc like, and all i could the, think about like the was, road in la but all i could think about was why are we talking about a new show on linear tv why is this not on peacock like they, they have the ability they could put this is us. They could put all of their big shows, the voice, they could put everything on to Peacock first. This is that kind of push and pull of like, do they really want Peacock to win? Do they want to balance it versus their other business? So is that like, your answer? Then the next big thing could be them making that programming change to put it on there first. Look, they talked about the fact that Halloween Kills did great two weeks ago when they put it on day and date, no extra cost. But they're not they're not doing that sustainably right like they do it on one-offs like they put their entire movie slate like hbo did with warner movies they could blow it out they just haven't done that i mean they have to put must-see programming onto peacock they haven't done that so the answer is they can do it i have no idea to answer your question there is nothing obvious coming that's going to be a breakout for peacock they could do it though if they wanted to uh they also lost a billion plus dollars year to date um, let's talk a little RSNs. Um, Fubo is putting an RSN fee, which is sort of just our launching point, just because it was funny. Of like the only company that's still in the RSN business for all of the VMVPDs is now jacking up pricing because they can't make money. Um, and you know they're adding they're subscribers. Not the only one, they're one of two. One of two. Them but and everyone TV. has an RSN fee. Well, you don't have an RSN fee if you don't have RSNs. Oh, right. <laughs> You know, YouTube TV, Hulu Live, Sling. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, if, um, if you don't have like RSNs, basically you don't... everyone else except them and, and Direct TV. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason for an RSN. I guess YouTube, if you by don't... the way, YouTube TV does have some they have RSNs. A few, but they, they have don't the have an RSN. Have the, but there's no they have the NBC RSNs, right? But no fee. No fee. So we get SNY and no fee. But the interesting thing is, is we are still waiting to see what happens with Dish. And the Sinclair RSNs, the Dish retrans deal was supposed to expire October, mid-October. Then it was extended a week. Now it looks like it must have been extended another week. I, I don't have any reports, but like it just keeps getting kicked down the road. Not clear if they're waiting for sort of baseball and in the NBA to come up with their new digital streaming plan. But it's been a long time in extension and obviously, MSG still dropped by Comcast. You haven't heard anything, nope. I assume, Brandon. Nope, it nothing. sounds like just I bet that I, it sound, that's gone. I mean, we're right. into the NBA season now. The Knicks are actually quite good this year. But 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 and, so okay. Uh, so let's just no finish this off. There. So so what's what's fascinating about this is the the RSNs are being dropped everywhere, left and right. Yep. You're seeing RSNs yep. dropped, and yet Fubo is trying to acquire or, or add on as many RSNs and then basically telling every subscriber, whether you watch it or not, everybody's paying and they're jacking pricing. So they just went to $70 in New York from 65 because they had to pay for MSG. So do you want to, I, I need to bring up the most entertaining Fubo story of the week though. Oh no. Which um, I don't know. One of 
our, one of our peers, one of our peers yes. writing so trash. Dra- yeah, so DraftKings obviously has been in talks to acquire Intain, which is like a $20 billion acquisition. In, in Europe, a huge yeah. sports betting business in Europe. Most people listening to this know. Um, I know. But as an alternative, I think it was the Oppenheimer analyst said, oh, they could acquire Fubo. Yes, huh? Fubo, which has not launched sports betting and is a virtual money losing virtual MVPD. That would be a great <laughs> trade from having the largest, one of the largest assets in Europe to merge with them. It may, would make perfect sense. It, uh, which is, Dude, it's just, know, and it's, one it's of the incredible. strategics on there was I casino anyway, right? Yes. Um, but just sticking for a second with Sinclair, just because I thought this was sort of crazy. Um, Sinclair got a ransomware attack, and this was like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, now. We so did I. We, we didn't profile it, <laughs> but 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 what's amazing is so this is the CNN story that I'm going to read in the bottom left. The disturbance impeded the production of local newscasts throughout the day on Sunday and again on Monday. Um, they didn't have phones, emails, video files, etc. That's not the story. Like that was interesting. I didn't put it on last week's podcast because I thought this was only a couple of days. What's crazy now is this story is from yesterday. Ohio stations still feeling the effects of Sinclair's ransomware attack. So two weeks later, the stations are still not running syndicated shows in, 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 such as Dr. Phil, Family Feud. Like two weeks later, they cannot get their stations to function properly. I have no idea why, but I thought it was just crazy. Dude, what that- are you talking about? Why do you how do you not know why cyber terrorism is the real deal, bro? Like, what but are you like, talking about? Like, yeah, it's not- hard. I I just like two weeks later they can't get into their files like okay okay I'm no no maybe I'm naive this comment no, no I'm, maybe I'm naive company. how are you naive like it happens all the time like it, you know companies get attacked Rich have you have you not you know been paying attention to my plight over the last ten days or maybe you just have been ignoring but you've been working stor- all these press stories about stuff that. Are, Look, I'm sure those stations are not not working. They just maybe can't do right. certain elements of the broadcast. I mean, this is this is the world that we live in. This is why securities. And by the way, you've just jinxed us because you know now. What if our our pot or our uh, our site goes down for a couple of weeks? I mean, so when my like, entire which? life, Brandon. So Brandon. So when my entire life becomes an avatar in Mark Zuckerberg's world, what happens? What does the ransomware look like in that world? <laughs> Your entire life. I, it's just, I mean, dude, your entire fucking life is online now. But, but to point, but to Brandon, I bet implied, you spend 10 word. hours a day on the mobile internet. 100% agree on that. And, and you're, so also, what do you even, t- I don't understand. And when you say your entire life, also, you're just taking this exaggerated argument viewpoint. He's I mean, a, people like, spend a lot of get, time gaming. It's just where you're actually doing the gaming. Oh it's a, like this. It's the easy way to Arrow knock down the, in the quiver, the, dude. Right. And it's the easy way to knock down the concept of the metaverse to like say, oh, you're just a nerdy like Dungeons and Dragons guy that's going to be walking around with his goggles all day. And like, you know, they show the picture of Zuck. You know, at that conference with everyone on their goggles, but I don't. To Brandon's point, that's not the point. A, it's not like you're spending your entire day like literally with goggles on. And B, to his second point, 100 true. Like you're fucking staring at your phone. I wish I could know. Let, send us your usage data on your phone. How many times you're staring at your phone? And when you're not staring at your phone, I want. You're I want to know. And when you're how, not staring at your computer, you're staring at your television. Yeah. So what? Honestly, what's the difference? One is presence, and one right. doesn't. That's that's the only difference. And by the way, they're trying to get rid of a lot of that um, by being able to move things, type things, <laughs> etc., with your brain. Right. So the question no, is, I don't understand. I don't can, understand. If you can improve this experience where we have not seen each other. Well, I guess we did at Brandon's wedding for an, ex- an extended period of time yep. in a virtual world. So it improves our interactions together. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Otherwise, you're basically like the old guy on the porch yelling, get off my lawn because like, oh, it's new, even though it's improving my experience interacting with people. Like, why wouldn't people prefer to do it that way if, if it the- was easy to do? Um, Mark keeps calling about this. It keeps calling the metaverse a successor to the mobile internet. Um, I don't think it's a successor. I think you know mobile is also here to stay, but technology continues to evolve. That's it. 
Like mobile wasn't the end all be all. Netflix and VOD wasn't the end all be all. Like we continue to progress due to improving chipsets, you know, cloud services, broadband, whatever it may be. Although we can argue on the broadband, right? (laughs) Well, the other fascinating aspect of this is like when you're in these virtual worlds, that the ease of using virtual currencies becomes that much easier. Yeah. Is that so long ETH? I mean, the blockchain blockchain is going to have um, a place (laughs) in our world going forward. There's no doubt about the smart contract. Makes a lot of sense. Can I buy Robux and put it in a a meta wallet somewhere? Brandon, Brandon, that was a perfect NFT transition. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a lame one, but exciting news. I'm not lame, <laughs> but WWE, Fox Entertainment, and Bento Box Entertainment's blockchain to launch NFT marketable for digital collectibles. Okay, so like UFC and MLB and, of course, NBA Top Shot, um, WWE has their NFTs too. So, Everyone's rushing into this game. Everybody wants to be part of this co- digital collectible space. Yeah, I mean, but again, I, I know you want collect- me to participate in this collectible space. Collectibles are only part of it. It is theoretically some of the communities that are built around um, some of the NFT projects. Some of them have more power and influence than others. And those are probably the communities you want to be a part of. Right. You're saying if it's just simply selling WWE collectibles, not so interesting. If this is benefits into maybe the real world fan clubs, like if this gives you preferential access to seats or to arena tour, whatever it may be, if there's real tangible or get benefits. You, or get you on a discord ser- server where, you know, real discussions and real things are happening. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't even know why it has to be Discord specifically. I think any, I, yeah, any I thought it didn't of, have to be. That was an example. Yeah, I mean, I just think like you, there have to be actual benefits to the smart contract NFT than just simply owning a, a P- we are, JPEG. We, we are very early on, right? Uh, I agree. Um, one of our favorite... Um, directors on this podcast is Dennis Villanueva. How does this guy get so much air? He gets a lot of airtime on our podcast. Um, He's really one of my favorites uh, because he came out and just, I think this, we have to go back. This is many episodes ago, but when he literally just blasted HBO and blasted Warner brothers, this is the same time when all of Hollywood was upset with Jason Kylar for his pronouncement that he was meant to be watched. Only in the theaters. Yeah, I mean, he he was, was Chris Nolan quote? like it was something like I mean, it was Chris Nolan like of like movies need to be seen in theaters. This is a travesty. And then what I thought was amazing. This is Lucas Shaw from from Bloomberg. But he it's he's actually pulling a quote out of a Hollywood reporter story that ran the other day. And he goes, I love streaming, says the director who spent the last 11 months railing against it. And he goes, I, I he goes on to basically say, I stream a lot of content. But I just think that all movies have to have their exhibition in theaters, which it, was was never the fine. battle. Yeah. Right. It was never the battle. Right. Like, that's the absurdity well, of the, this. that was never the battle from from our standpoint. Those that represent business interests, it was the battle of the purists and everyone else that was going the opposite way. So I have not seen. Has anyone here seen Dune? I haven't seen it yet. I think I'm going to see it at home um, this weekend. Um, I hear good things about it that I'm also interested in next Friday. We have um, what's coming out, Rich? Eternals. Eternals, which is the future of the MCU. That would be a Disney property. So this is also important in terms of the new, you know, the new wave of of Marvel. So I think it's critical that this gets off to a good start. Yeah, I mean, the reviews, it's interesting. Normally reviews don't come out so early. There's been a lot of reviews coming out about Eternals. They say the film is... Good in concept, very beautifully shot, but very different is the word they keep using from 
the prior MCU universe. So I'd love your feedback after you see it, and maybe you'll understand. Tell me what that means and why. Mm. But that is the perception, at least so far, is it's just very different. I don't know if that's code for not as good, or that is just a whole different way of thinking about Marvel. Multiverse is a hard thing to deal with, I think, for people. And that, see, meaning pivoting. It's not the same. We'll see. Yeah. Well, it's Halloween, Brandon. I know what you're doing. I assume this is a fish Halloween yet again. <laughs> it is a fish Halloween yet again. Vegas. This time in, no, this time and, in Vegas. In Vegas. No, it's the last three. At least three have been in Vegas. It's a, it's really an every other year thing. Only we didn't get the every other year last year for some obvious reasons. Um, do fish ha- what What's someone that likes fish? Are they called fish heads? Fans. Fish tails? But with a, but fans. fans? But oh, with, with a, a PH? PH? Yeah. Do, the, do the fans show up in Halloween costumes for... Yes. I, don't, I can tell you I last week in Vegas, one. there was a lot of wild costumes for that EDC festival. I, I bet there were. Wow. Yeah, so on Sunday night, everyone will be costumed, probably except me. And what Fish does is they play a musical costume. So they play three sets, and the second set is usually an album cover, or they take on a persona and create completely new original music. Okay. So, fun. yeah, it, it'll be a good time. Nice. That's episode 78, everyone. Have a great weekend. Take care. And make sure you spend a lot of those MSG properties. <laughs> Bye.